All right, welcome back. It is Thursday, March 31st. Plan for today is go over the final four matchups, some predictions, breaking down what I'm seeing with each team. Before we get to that, some Elite Eight cleanup. And I first want to start on the women's side. There's a great UConn-NC State game. Everyone was talking about it. And my big takeaway from this game was not just it was a great, exciting game to watch, but maybe the way to get attention on women's basketball is actually not having these weird like dudes in their mid-30s check marks yelling at people and guilt-tripping people to watch women's basketball. Maybe it's just organically women's basketball produces really good games, really good moments in the NCAA tournament, and it just kind of organically blossoms like it did during the UConn-NC State game. Everyone was talking about it on Twitter organically. Nobody was like, hey, you're a terrible person if you're not watching this game. And that, that was the main takeaway I got from that moment, aside from it being an awesome game. But from the men's side, two things on the Elite Eight. Number one, Miami gets blown out by Kansas. My final four pick, they come up around short. My big takeaway was, you know, Jim Laranega lit down his guys. So after the first half, Miami's up six, and then Kansas absolutely obliterates them in the second half. At some point, you know, in the second half, Kansas stepped up their defense. Miami's guys were not able to drive past uh, any of the Kansas defenders, and Miami's offense is just, they run this weave on the outside, and then someone drives to lane or they kick it out. At some point, when that's not happening, Laranega needed to call a timeout and actually call some plays, actually you know, call some screens, some motion, anything. But they kept running the same offense, and you could even see it in the first half. The only way they were scoring was Cam Augusti and Isaiah Wong were hitting these tough, step-back, NBA-type 20-footers with a hand in their face. And it wasn't sustainable, and eventually it caught up with them. And I think Laranega, unable to inject any plays, evaluate what is happening with his team and call a timeout and slow it down for them. I thought he really let them down and, you know, is an exciting team to watch. Second thing, Houston just didn't have enough offense against Villanova. And that's where, you know, they're going on this run without their NBA player who got hurt at the beginning of the year, Sasser. This is where they really missed him. A guy that could really take you know, a stout Villanova defender. They've got a bunch of guys that are 6'5", 6'6", Samuels, Daniels, um, and then more before he got injured. A bunch of these guys that are really stout defenders. And Sasser's the one guy who can create a lot of separation and just have a, you know, one-man offense, which is what Houston needed there. And so they lose to Villanova, and that sets up our first matchup in the Final Four, Villanova versus Kansas. And so we all saw the Justin Moore injury. He tears up his Achilles. You could just see it on the uh, replay. It was in the last minute of the Houston game. He takes a step, and you can just see it snap, and his uh, tendon just volt right through his calf. And he, like, turned around behind him because from what it looked like, he thought somebody stepped on the back of his calf, which is apparently the feeling you get when you tear up your Achilles or something like that. <clears throat> But here's how big, if you haven't watched Villanova, here's how important of a player Justin Moore is for Villanova. He's first in minutes per game at 35, second in points per game at 15. He's their best defender. You heard, uh, or Colin Gillespie said it, the Villanova point guard after the game. He's like, he comes in, he scores 15 points a game, and he also goes out and guards the toughest offensive player on the other team. And so the past two games, 
in the Sweet 16, he plays 39 minutes out of 40 minutes against Michigan. And then in the Elite Eight against Houston, he plays 37 minutes against Houston. And here's how thin of a roster Villanova has. So they only have six guys on their team throughout the season that play more than 10 minutes per game. And so let's go back to the Sweet 16 against Michigan. Their six guys played all but four minutes in the game. And then in the Elite Eight, their six guys played all but two minutes in the game. So now you're taking away a guy that plays 38 minutes a game. And so at this point, they really are only comfortable going five deep, maybe a sixth guy off the bench. And they don't have great size. And they're matching up against Kansas, who's a team that can really take advantage of that. They've got two big guys who can score, who are competent scorers in the post in McCormick and Lightfoot down low. And you saw them do that in the second half against Miami. They're really feeding the ball to Lightfoot down low. And so Villanova's biggest guy is like 6'8", Eric Dixon. So if he gets in foul trouble, you know, if anybody really on the Villanova starting five gets in foul trouble, Villanova's going to be forced to play guys that have not played much. And, you know, putting them right into the final four with not a lot of reps is not a, a recipe for success. And on the Kansas side, I really like their experience. So they got Remy Martin, who's a senior, McCormick, Lightfoot, all seniors, Abaji, senior, Brown is junior. They're a really experienced team. And Remy Martin, who I talked uh, with Reed about him, he's the X factor with Kansas and one of the most entertaining players to watch in college basketball right now because you never know when he's going to fly off the handle or do something insane. He's the classic spark off the bench, get you like 12 quick points, but then he's also going to gamble on defense and give up a layup. He's also going to throw like spaz out and throw like three straight passes out of bounds. And so you don't really know what you're going to get from him. One thing to watch for, Remy Martin down the stretch in multiple games has missed a ton of free throws. And I don't think that's going to come back to haunt them against Villanova. But I think if they play Duke in the championship, I would watch out. I just have a feeling missed Remy Martin free throws are going to come back and haunt Kansas in the championship game. But what I really like about this Kansas team is you've got Remy Martin, the, the backup point guard who comes in, score heavy, but their starting point guard, Dewan Harris, is a great defender. And he's long and athletic, and I really like him against the smaller Gillespie, uh, where a lot of Villanova's offense and a lot of Gillespie's scoring originates from him backing somebody down in the post. And I don't see him being able to do that to Harris where some teams have to you know, force a double team. And then Gillespie is such a good passer, such a smart player. They get these open threes. And so I really like that matchup for Kansas. The only thing I'm concerned about is Abaji. The, you know, I think he's the big 12 player of the year. Leading scorer, 20 points per game. So far this tournament, he's, it's been a little disappearing act for him. A little Jaden Ivey against St. Peter's where he's the best player on the court and you completely forget He's on the team for really long stretches, and he hasn't been scoring much, hasn't been able to create his own shot. A lot of his points against Miami were like alley-oop dunks, stuff in transition. And so, you know, to have your leading scorer in a little bit of, you know, a slump going in the Final Four is not good news. But I think, you know, Kansas, they're so athletic. They're great in transition. They play great defense, and Bill Self is a great coach. If you want to, you know, judge a coach or – have a quick litmus test for how good of a coach is just look at their out of timeouts plays especially down the stretch in a close game bill self always has a play that gets an open shot 
And Kansas is a team that does not just rely on three-pointers. Villanova sometimes gets really three-pointer happy. And when you look, they're playing in the, the Dome in New Orleans. And we've seen this so many times in the Final Four in these new buildings. The three-pointers do not drop like they did in the regular season. And those teams that shoot a ton of threes really get hurt by that. I like Kansas' offense. They're going to get it down low, score and transition in the paint. I think they win 53-61. to 61. Okay, next game. Arguably the most anticipated Final Four matchup of my lifetime, Duke versus UNC. Coach K gets the chance to atone for his loss in his final home game in Cameron Indoor Stadium against the UNC Tar Heels. Coach K's got to be licking his chops with the chance to erase that UNC loss in Cameron Indoor Stadium on the biggest stage there is, and that's the Final Four in college basketball. And Duke... As of late, they've been playing really well. The weird thing about Duke, though, you watch them. They've got all these NBA players. They're passing, kicking out for three. You know, alley-oops to Mark Williams. Roach is getting in the paint, making plays happen. Everyone on the court can score for Duke. They've got all these things going for them. But at the end of the day, they're not beating teams by a lot. They pulled away from Arkansas, but even Arkansas made it a five-point game kind of in the middle of the second half. But, you know, they are down with a few minutes left to Michigan State. They are losing with a few minutes left against Texas Tech. And it's just been kind of what's been going on with Duke this whole season is they look, you know, they look like they're playing spectacular offensively, but they're not blowing teams out. And that's because of their defense. And A.J. Griffin on defense, for as good of a player as he is, and he's an amazing player, shooting 46% from three. But if you watch him on defense, even for a couple minutes, he makes a really bad mistake giving up a backdoor cut, not boxing out like giving you know, a really bad foul where a guy's got an open layup and you kind of just still stick your body in there and he gets an and one. Duke defensively has not been great. And that's my one hesitance with this Duke team because I think they're better than UNC. Wendell Moore is playing well. He's shooting 41% from three. So they've got two guys shooting over 41% from three. Bancaro, he's now like my number one guy. He was dropping down in my NBA mock drafts, which just kind of take place in my head. But he's now driving and getting to the block. And once he gets an angle on a guy, he's able to like just use his body to get these really, you know, close bank shots. And, you know, he's in the, in the middle of the season, he was falling into the trap of a lot of these fadeaway jumpers at the top of the key. And then the biggest difference has been Roach. And so, for a stretch there, Keels was starting and playing like 30 minutes, and Roach was just playing like 20 minutes. That's been completely flipped. There's less Keels, a lot more Roach. Roach has hit a ton of big shots down the stretch. He set up a lot of shots for other people as well. He's able to, you know, he's so quick. If he was a few inches taller, he would be a big time NBA prospect. But the addition of Roach has really opened up this offense where. It's not just Bancaro or more, you know, winning one-on-one -on -one matchups. Now it's a real offense where Roach will drive in the middle, swing it out, another pass, another drive, and oop to Williams. It's a lot more stable of an offense. And on the other side, you've got North Carolina, who's they've got the big four. They've got Manic, R.J. Davis, who was spectacular in that Baylor game when Caleb Love fouled out, and he had to deal with all that pressure by himself from like the ten-minute mark through overtime really impressive Caleb Love and Baycott those guys all scored in their last matchup against Duke they all scored 20 plus points they accounted for 86 points they're really good but here's the thing 
do we completely trust Caleb Love at this point? You know, he's had a couple big shots down the stretch, the go-ahead three-pointers, but a lot of those shots aren't great shots. And as I mentioned during the talking about the Villanova team, when you're playing in these big Superdomes and you've got the depth perception sometimes off, do you want a team that relies on these pull-up 25-footers? You know, an interesting stat about Love, he shoots 37% from three, which is really pretty solid, but he's also a 37% shooter from the field overall. And so that means he's shooting even lower than 37% on twos. He's driving to the rim. He's taking, you know, these crazy layups. And sometimes he gets in this mode where it's like NBA mode. I'm showing off that I've got all this talent, step back threes, and it doesn't really fit into the offense. When the offense is most effective, it's going through Baycott. It's going through Manic, and the ball's moving around rather than love shooting these threes. I like RJ Davis on the drives, but you know, when you think about these guards, Roach is a lot more reliable. He's not going to shoot you out of a game. Caleb Love has been on, on a great stretch, but he can't shoot you out of games. He does turn the ball over, and he's not as reliable. And I'm just afraid that, you know, a Caleb Love bad shooting game is not just going to be, you know, a one for eight. It's going to be a, you know, a three for 16 and turnovers and has the potential to shoot North Carolina out of this game. And so I'm leaning Duke and, you know, they have the best player and Bancaro, you know, the past three, four games in the tournament has gotten this look in his eyes that you want your best player to have the look that Abaji for Kansas hasn't had, but Bancaro has, you know, when they need a bucket, he's getting the ball at the elbow and he's driving to the block and he's going to get either get fouled or he's going to have like a 75%, you know, success rate at these little you know, six foot turnaround bank shots. And so, you know, overall, I like the shots. I think Duke's going to get better looks, but you can never, you know, I'm not fully convinced just because Duke's defense is so bad and it's remarkably bad. And the amount of layups, open threes that other teams can get, it always leaves the door open for a team that can knock down threes. And that is North Carolina. So that's why I'm not as convinced and confident as I am in Kansas over Villanova but I will take Duke I'll say Duke wins 81 to 75 and I think the difference is Bancaro he had a big game last game against UNC I think they're embarrassed they should be embarrassed by their final regular season loss against UNC I think Bancaro has a huge game goes for 30 points efficient night and the Duke Blue Devils and Coach K make it to the championship game to face off against the Kansas Jayhawks on Monday night. So we'll see how that prediction does on Saturday night. But that's it for today's episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And I'll be back next week to wrap up the college basketball season and some more stuff in the works. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon. See you.